Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I'm so glad you're here today because we have an amazing guest with us, Lucy Price. Lucy, founder of Shift Your Story, is a relationship coach. Through mindset, emotional regulation, and practical tools, Lucy helps her clients release relationship anxiety and move on from their exes and confidently date so that they can have fulfilling relationships. Thank you so much for being here today, Lucy. It is such a pleasure to have you, and I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we can go a little bit deeper. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I started my business a couple of years ago, and my business really began because before I was a relationship coach, I was actually a yoga instructor, and I was a health coach as well, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so in Michigan, every I, I'm pretty sure this happened uh, across the United States, but in Michigan, the gyms shut down. At the time, we're expecting, okay, it's only going to be two weeks. Like I'm thinking to myself, great, I want a little, you know, I needed a break anyway. Two weeks, it's not that big of a problem. I can handle that. And then two weeks turned into four weeks, and and everyone realized how serious the the pandemic actually was. And four weeks turned into three months, and it it just kind of kept building. And at the time. I, I was just running out of my own resources to stay afloat. I knew I needed to figure something else out in order to get by. And a friend of mine at the time kind of turned to me and said, well, why don't you coach? And I kind of thought to myself, well, I have been doing health coaching. Like I've been doing personal training. I've been doing privates. I could see myself doing something like that, but I wouldn't want to do that necessarily online and in the way that I was thinking about coaching. So I decided at first to go into more general life coaching and mindset, emotional regulation coaching. And over time that just naturally evolved into relationships because I noticed people kept coming to me about their relationships. So I kind of just refined over time my specific niche. And that's really where it all began for me. So COVID and then, you know, really stepping it out online, being brave, being visible, putting myself out there. And in some ways, I think it was courage, but also in some ways, I think it was luck. I, in hindsight, I got clients very quickly. And part of that was because I had a in like an in-person network base that knew me and trusted mm -hmm. me and knew I was a good resource, but th that's not always what happens for people. So I, I like to say it's a bit of courage, a bit of skill, but I also think a bit of luck came my way. Yes. And I, I love that. It just kind of really folk, the focus point was, okay, COVID happened. All these things were happening. You got into coaching, you had a built-in network in person and I'm curious because I know you said people started coming to you about their relationships. What was really that complete shift from life re, general life coaching to relationship coaching? Yeah, so part of it was when I when I very first started coaching, I'm actually really grateful because I was relatively naive to the industry. And so I had like a blank slate mind. Um, and it was a, it was a mixture of things. I ended up starting my business and I ended up hiring a coach. And this coach wasn't someone who told me to niche down necessarily, but mm -hmm. she just pointed out to me like, hey, people 
keep coming to you about relationships because I would, I would give that feedback to her. So um, I got a wave of clients in who were going through a few divorces at the time. I had some people who were struggling in relationships in terms of what they were to other people. I had some people who were just struggling with uh, relationship anxiety, especially during the backdrop of 2020. And so I relate that to my business coach at the time who just pointed out the pattern, pointed out the trend. Mm. The other side of that was the deeper I got into the coaching industry and, and learning about business and expanding my knowledge, I kept getting this feedback to niche down, niche down, niche down. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, that created a, a ton of anxiety for me um, that that really rattled me because I view myself to be a pretty multifaceted person. And so the idea of being put into a box felt really mm-hmm. tense at the start, but mm-hmm. I also it also felt right. It also felt like this was my zone of genius. This feels an integrity for me to speak on. Whereas some, some general life things, I, I either didn't have the backdrop of knowledge or I didn't necessarily have the life experience. Um, I did have the mindset and the emotional regulation tools to help someone go through those experiences by themselves. But the area where I was like, I know this, I've got this, I can fully support someone with this was relationships. So I kind of just made a home there. I love that. And I love that you touched on relationship anxiety, especially like 2020, there was a lot going on. And so I know you talk a lot about mindset, emotional regulation, and how it plays a significant role in relationships, but how do you overcome relationship anxiety and move past past relationships? Mm -hmm. So when we think about relationship anxiety, most of the time when real relationship anxiety comes up is because we have a set of thoughts and we have a set of belief systems Mm -hmm. and we are operating off of those belief systems in our relationships. So for example, if, if you grew up feeling really insecure about how you look or how you are, your personality, then that insecurity might drive you to think that other people don't like you, or you need to change yourself in some way in order for people to like you, in order for people to accept you. And so that creates a lot of that internal anxiety. So something that I would do if that client came to me is I would look at, okay, well, what what are the thoughts and belief systems that you are carrying right now? And is that serving you? Because your thoughts are creating you, are making you feel a certain way, which is then leading you to act a certain way, which is giving you this result. So you kind of have to go back and, and shift the, the belief system in order to help some of the relationship anxiety pass. But it, but it isn't just that. It's also getting the emotional regulation on board. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to change your mindset, but your body is freaking out, good luck. Like, <laughs> that's, like good luck, you know, because, because you have to regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I would go through some embodiment practices, some breathing practices to really teach those skills to calm the body and calm the nervous system so that the mind has a chance to shift the pathways that are happening. Mm, that's so true too, because you, you're you right. It's it's so connected, the mind to body. That's like something that I researched heavily like in my psychology days, but I love that you really focus on that too, because you're right. It, you can think something, but if your body's like repulsed by something, it's not gonna allow you to move forward and be able to regulate that. And I love that that is such a superpower to bring those together and understand how that really impacts the relationship. Mm-hmm. But could you share some practical tools or techniques that you use to help your clients release that relationship anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I, the first one that I want to talk about is boomerang thoughts. I call them boomerang mm -hmm. thoughts, which is those thoughts that just keep on coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes when, when you're suffering with anxiety, it's a couple of key thoughts that are coming back to your mind. So I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me, for example. And those are those boomerang thoughts that just kind of keep coming back and back and back again. Mm -hmm. So one of the practical tools I set up with my clients is, okay, you're having this thought come up again and again and again of mm -hmm. your not good enough or nobody likes you. And so I then help them create a wedge thought because you can't necessarily control the first thought that comes up, but you can control the second thought that comes up. And that wedge thought is basically a replacement thought that you practice putting in directly after that thought of I'm not good enough. Right. Now, this thought is what I would say is a better thinking feeling thought. So it's the thought that feels a little bit better to your body. It's the thought your brain can still believe, but it isn't necessarily mm -hmm. the thought of like, nobody likes me. So mm -hmm. if you were having the boomerang thought, for example, of nobody likes me, then the wedge thought that feels a little bit better could be, well, I have a group of friends who like me. And you just keep replacing that thought. And then once, once you get that thought programmed, you can kind of add on to it, which is, well, I have a group of friends that like me, so probably other people like me too. And you just start stair-stepping the thoughts one on top of the other until your brain starts to create those new grooves for itself. I love it. It's like taking it in bite sizes because it, it can be really overwhelming if you're looking at everything at once. But I love that it's like those little wedges, as you put it too, of, okay, well, this is true and I can move forward. And it's just collecting that proof for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's so key, especially when you're trying to move on or you're understanding where the anxiety is coming from as well when it comes to relationships in particular. Yeah. And like to expand on that, like taking yeah. those bite size and finding that evidence. Sometimes what I do with my clients is I have something called a brag book, which is uh -huh. basically <laughs> where you take that evidence. You, you look for the evidence of of people liking you or people accepting you mm -hmm. and you write it all down in a journal so that when you are having that self-doubt moment come up, you can go back to a physical copy and be like, no, here are all the instances where I felt really accepted, where I felt really valued for who I was and giving your brain an opportunity to see that positive evidence and impact from your life because our brains inherently have a negativity bias. Like our brains are ultimately trying to protect ourselves. And right. so your brain is going to be always like subtly scanning for danger and you have to train it to do something else. It's a practice. Yes, it definitely is a practice. And, you know, I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to relationships in particular, there's a lot of triggers that happen or fear of being able to put themselves out there, especially after a terrible breakup or anything along those lines. But what have you seen as some common challenges or patterns in your clients that have the struggle to move on from their exes and how do they address them or how do you address them? Yeah. So one of the biggest struggles that I see is that clients internalize a breakup or clients internalize a divorce or someone cheating on them as their thought, their, their, um, their mm -hmm. fault. Like mm -hmm. they weren't good enough. They could have done something differently. They could have done better. Um, if only they were prettier or smarter or more interesting, the person would have stayed. And that tends to be one of the common 
themes that that I see when it comes to breakup is just that they weren't good enough and they could have done something different. So mm-hmm. often what I'll do with those clients is I'll go back like, okay, what, what is causing you to think like that? Like what is causing that belief to occur? When did you very first think that thought? And what were the circumstances? And how long have you been living with the not enoughness? Because the the breakup was a trigger for what was already present. And so it just brought up what was already present inside of your your head and your heart at that time. So it, it's essentially uprooting the belief system from the root at that point. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Because a lot of times it, it's been there before, but we like turn an eye to it. We're like, oh no, it doesn't exist. Or, oh, that's just, it was this one time or this one thing and it can really build up, but you're right. It starts internally. We can't control other people, but mm-hmm. the things that have already been there, they've been ruminating there and they just like explode basically when the breakup happens is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back to that point on evidence is then like what is already present, we're taking the breakup as evidence that we aren't good enough and that, you know, we should be different in some way. Mm -hmm. And and that's the hard part too, especially I feel like a lot of times your confidence gets minimized or reduced because you're like, well, am I ever going to find someone? And I hear this from so many friends that are now going back out into the dating world after a breakup or divorce or anything along those capacities, but I'm curious, how does building confidence in dating contribute to having those fulfilling relationships or even putting yourself out there to begin with? Yeah. So, so in terms of building confidence, whenever someone is, is coming out of a breakup, I really like to check in with what is their relationship with themselves? So mm-hmm. like, what thoughts are they actually thinking about themselves? How do they actually feel about their bodies and their minds and their personalities and their interests? Like, what are their thoughts and belief systems about themselves? And do they even have a relationship with themselves? Yeah. Because we currently live in a day and age where it's so easy to get swept up in work or our, or our pre-described identities of being a daughter and a friend and our career, you know, whatever our job title is. And so it's kind of easy just to get swept up by life. And then if we're not getting swept up by life, we just have so many opportunities to also numb nowadays. And so that's where like the the scrolling comes in and like checking out via social media or, you know, whatever news is coming up. And so what I like to do with people right off the bat is actually help them form a relationship with themselves and actually help them Um, really find the pieces that they like about themselves and they love about themselves. Because when you can get to that place, one, I think there's an energetic shift within you. You're inherently more open because when you don't like yourself, what I see happens is people close off and people kind of like energetically close off, uh, mentally close off. And it's hard for for that connection to begin. But when you're feeling good, when you're feeling in your essence, when you're feeling expansive, you're just more open and you're more open to life. But not only that, your brain is in a different place. And so when you feel good about yourself, when you have the thought of like, I'm incredible, it's easier to have the thought of like, and someone would totally want to be with me. And when you have the thought of like, someone would totally want to be with me, it's easier for you than to go out and sit at a bar, for example, and not be scrolling on your phone, avoiding eye contact with everybody, but actually be open and present and available for connection with somebody else. So it it really starts by helping them form that relationship with themselves, build back up that confidence, shift that belief system, get the emotional regulation on board, but then seeing like, okay, and how does that bring you new opportunities and new perspectives to put yourself out there? 
I love it. You're speaking my language because I do think it's so important. Self-love first, like the relationship yes. with yourself is so key. And that's something I had to learn because I had like what you're saying, not enough. Like I, that was like one of my core issues. I talk about it all the time on here, but I think part of that was I didn't really love myself. I didn't know how to love myself in the capacity of just, it was always these achievements or the things behind me versus like what was truly inside of me. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That's where you start with your clients too, because what you're right, when you love yourself, when it radiates out, when you are out there, you may not be looking for someone, but what you said too, I think it's looking at those qualities of yourself and like, what do you want to improve on? What do you want to work on? Because I always was like, oh, I want this in a partner. And then the reality was like, do I have that? And I've talked about this with another dating coach I had spoken with, but I think too, it's when you're able to really identify the things that you love about yourself, but adding different qualities that you want in somebody else, but you have them too. Mm -hmm. I think that can really expand your openness to somebody coming in and really seeing them for who they are and how it can really merge together. Because I, I think it's so important though, starting with the self, because that is the most important relationship I think as well. Yeah. And I also like to, to go off of that. I also think that self-love and liking yourself just simply isn't modeled by society. Oh, like yeah. I think about how I grew up and I grew up in the era of you need to be stick thin. You need to get all A's you need to be, you know, beautiful and polite, but also creative and also a strong woman. And also, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. and I, I remember feeling so criticized as, yeah. as a young woman. And when you live in a society that is constantly telling you to, you know, take up this and get this job and make this amount of money and look this way. And you're comparing yourself to these ideologies. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really hard to build up that self-love and, and they do it on purpose. You know, society mm -hmm. does this on purpose to sell you a product and to like, like it's, it's just part of the, the social marketing. And so I, I think that if, if someone is, is struggling to love themselves I also would invite like how like to get curious about how society or how the family unit might have paid played a part in that because I also oh, remember growing up as a young woman and seeing my mother you know in the mirror criticizing little things about herself and it's yeah. just what you know oftentimes we internalize as children what is modeled to us from the outside it's like if we didn't get an A then we're not good enough and mm -hmm. we need to study harder and be better and it's just something that is easy to miss as an adult that it did happen as a child. Yeah, no, I'm a firm believer. A lot of things that we struggle with starting childhood. Yeah. <laughs> From personal experience, professionally. Yeah. <laughs> All the works. But I know you've worked with so many different clients and capacities. What is maybe two or three success stories you can share with us of a client transformation of overcoming the anxiety that they had in regards to relationships? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So I will give a, a breakup example first. So often, often I get women who are in their 30s coming on 40s. And one of the common fears during that time is um, a lot of women who want to have families and feel like there's a lot of pressure, like time is running out. And so I have a, a client who came to me a little while ago um, who was basically coming out of a breakup with someone who she had spent the last couple of years dating. And she thought I was going to 
marriage and children and family. And that was the thing that she really wanted and just being really heartbroken and devastated that that whole future, it felt like it got ripped out from underneath her. Mm-hmm. And so working with this client, what we did, we, we went back to the mindset. We went back to like, okay, what are your belief systems about relationships? What are your belief systems about what happened? You know, mm-hmm. what thoughts are coming up for you? How are you internalizing this? And we really got underneath it and helped clear up some of the mindset that was contributing to these feelings of, you know, not liking herself and not feeling good about what was even possible for her life at that point, because she was feeling very much like, you know, this future got ripped away from me. And I'm not only mourning the relationship, but I'm mourning the family and the life that I was going to have. And so within a span of three months, we basically got underneath the mindset. And now she's like dating in and she, I got a message from her two weeks ago that she thinks she's going to be proposed to in the next couple of weeks. And so who knows if that will actually happen or not, but it's like to go like three months of not, you know, like utter heartbreak, devastation, this life is impossible for me for then like add on three more months. So six months total to dating someone else forming a very deep bond quite quickly and like feeling that connection to the point of like, I think I'm going to be proposed to at some point that, Mm -hmm. that to me is just sort of a testament to how, how quick it can happen. Because I think that there's an idea that it takes months and months and months to get over somebody, or it just takes time. But in Mm -hmm. my experience, it doesn't just take time to get over someone. Time is a compounder to what is Mm -hmm. already present And so it's okay if it takes time. It's okay if it takes six months or a year or two years, but time is not the answer. And really what I find is like getting under the mindset and really deciding what you want for yourself in your life is way more of the answer than just waiting. So that that's the first um, example that I have of a client success story. But Another one that comes to mind is I was working with a a beautiful client who was in her 60s and she came to me actually because she was she was going through some, um, you know, coming to terms with aging and coming to terms with what love meant to her and what relationships meant to her and what she wanted from that aspect of things. And at the start, you know, she she very much felt like, you know, the the good days are behind me and I'm not, you know, beautiful and like having all of that tension to again, like fast forward a few months later, feeling really expansive again and feeling very radiant and good in her body and really assured of what value she does bring to relationships and, and what, you know, shine she does have as a woman. And from that aspect of things, I think again, like women in society, we're valued when we're just the right age. You know, it's like you can't, you were too young or we're too old. And, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to, to get it right as, as a woman in terms of beauty standards. And mm-hmm. so for me, being able to see a woman who, um, you know, women who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s, being able to see them tap into, no, I am beautiful. You know, like, no, I not only am I beautiful, but I'm also sexy. You know, like, to me, that just felt so uplifting and and was like one of the reasons why I feel so glad to be in this line of work. What great examples. And, you know, I think it just, it shines through the work you're doing, but also it goes back to them 
embodying that confidence and realizing it doesn't matter what age you are, you can still put yourself out there if you want to, and you want to find love in any capacity, any age. And as we're talking about age, I know we were talking prior to us yeah. recording, and I know we both started our, our first careers and everything younger than maybe yeah. most, but what was that experience like for you? Just even working with individuals that are older, do you ever experience any ageism or anything that you've had experience in that regard? Yeah. So I feel really grateful because to some degree, I've worked with incredible clients who, who didn't pay attention to that, who mm -hmm. that wasn't yeah. really important to them and they saw the value of the work and they saw the value of the transformation mm -hmm. that that age wasn't a problem and that doesn't mean I didn't have bumps though like at, when I very first started um coaching and coaching specifically in relationships it, it did come up when I got, went to networking events I was told mostly by men you know you're too young to be doing this you're you're too young to be you know being a coach and working with people on mindset and so on and so forth. And I remember getting that feedback and kind of sitting down and, and, and really thinking, because at that time I had uh, friends who were, you know, 24, who were, you know, men who were in management and leadership positions within their companies. And I just got thinking to myself, like, like, is this, I, I really thought about gender. I'm like, is this because I'm a woman? Like, is this, would, would you say that to a young man? And I, I really don't think they would. I think that there is something about being one young, but also a young woman that can make it a little difficult to really get some traction with people. Yeah. I remember hopping on uh, a connection call with, with a client way back when and I did get asked the question of how old I was and I told her um and it was interesting because we had a fantastic call of mm -hmm. like she had breakthroughs she had um re realizations about herself and her relationships but she got hung up on on age and it's one of those things where at the time I was really discouraged by it but as months went by and years went by, I kind of just got into the mindset of this isn't mine to deal with. Like, this isn't my stuff. Mm -hmm. If if someone else has a problem with um, my age or their beliefs about what it means to be my age as a coach, that's that's on them. And they can decide what's best for them. And they can choose a different mentor or coach if that's what they need to do. Mm -hmm. But I often find that there's also the flip side to that, which is being young often gives completely different perspectives from people who are in their 60s, for example, or 70s. It's like um, I've worked with clients who are in their 70s and yeah. that that deep start, you know, yeah. difference of being in, in your my young 20s at the time, it, it almost gave a very different perspective, which cracked them open to a new paradigm of thinking. And so with like, yes, age to some degree can bring a lack of life experience. That doesn't mean that the education isn't there. That doesn't mean they don't know what they know. But also on the flip side of that, being young can also present the opportunity to see things in a completely different way because you don't have the compounded impact of the generations before you and the values of the time before you. Right. Yeah. So well said, because I do think a lot of people in the beginning might feel that or I'm too young to start a business mm -hmm. or I 
I'm going to get this because I'm a woman versus a man or whatever it may be. But I think it's just really being aware of yourself and what you bring to the table. And I love that's what you exactly what you did. I know that's what I did as well. At first, it can be really scary when you're in your early 20s, or even if you're younger, there's, I mean, kids that are entrepreneurs now, mm-hmm. but, but they don't have oh, those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are YouTube, like there are YouTube <laughs> out there who are 18 and making six figures. Like, right, right. you know, like, like it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I think about um, what's his name, Mr. Beast or something on YouTube. I was reading about him in an entrepreneurship book. And he started filming when he was 18. And nowadays he does like all these videos of where he just gives away hundreds of thousands of dollars in his YouTube videos. But he started when he was like 17, 18 years old, you know, and he didn't listen to anyone saying like, oh, you're too young to do this. You know, it's just like you did it. And I think that's something that is actually beautiful about being young is is that, again, like, I don't want to use the the word naive isn't correct, mm-hmm. but like green, like you, you yeah. have the opportunity to be green and enter things in without all the preconceived notions of, of what, what it means to be that role in the industry. And I think there's, there's, there is a benefit to that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that because I, I do think it's not putting the blinders on of like what other people are saying, but like focus in like tunnel vision. That's the other term of what you want. What do you want to achieve? Because I feel like a lot of people will be held back because of their age. Because on the flip side, I've spoken to entrepreneurs that are maybe in their 60s, 70s. They're like, I don't know how to use tech or anything like that. (laughs) But I think it's great to be able to see it really doesn't matter where you are in life. If you want something, you can achieve it. It's just how you go about it might be completely different, but there's space for all of us. Doesn't matter the age or the gender. Yeah, and I I definitely think there's space for all of us. And every, I think we get too caught up in whether we are young enough or old enough to do things in general in society. Yeah. I think there's there's this thing around age that people get so easily wrapped up in. You know, I'm speaking very general, but I think that it's just we have all these preconceived notions of where we're meant to be at certain points in life. And it's like, if you can let go of that, I really think the world opens up so much more. And, you know, I've read so many stories of famous actors and actresses who didn't get their big break, you know, until they were in their 40s and 50s. And so the other thing I want to say to that is like, even if you start your business young and you don't have a certain level of success, that doesn't, it doesn't have to mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like you never know when that success wave is going to come in. And if you can really root down into inherent belief in yourself and in the possibility of success coming, I think it helps so much in terms of really allowing that success to come to fruition. Absolutely. And I think that's what it's about too. Just knowing that There's going to be a lot of bumps in the road, but that doesn't mean you have to stop. It's just tweaking things or changing directions that are going to make sense for you and growing your business. But I'm so curious, what have been some of the obstacles you've faced building your business? Yeah. So I think like one of the big obstacles for me was just really getting really practicing the skill of talking about my work in a, Mm -hmm. in a different way, because at the time, 
if we think about it, like life coaching, for example, is a relatively new thing. Yeah. People know about therapy, you know, at, but coaching in general, I think is a, a pretty new industry. And mm -hmm. so I, at the time I was kind of like, I'm a coach and I kind of just expected everyone to know what that meant and to know what a relationship coach was, but that's not necessarily true. And so learning how to educate my audience, learning how to talk about my work, that was a massive like roadblock for me because I didn't have the, I could show up. I, I have a, I have a background in acting. And so I have no problem going live on Facebook and, you know, talking about whatever, but I didn't know how to talk about my work in a way that people could understand the value of it. Mm -hmm. And then when it got to be relationships in particular, being able to educate clients on the value of, of, paying money to someone to help you with your relationships because I think it's easy to slip into oh well I'll just read a book or watch a YouTube video or something like that but being able to discuss well the downside to that is no one's holding you accountable so you're doing shelf development instead of personal development because it's all just staying on the shelf and you know you're watching a, a YouTube video um, you know, expecting to get the change, but you're not actually applying what you're learning and no one's actually reflecting back to you the, the thoughts and the belief systems and the, and the patterns that have gotten you here in the first place. So you might not even be solving the right problem, you know, right. searching for something by yourself. And so being able to like educate people on the value of this work, that was a huge roadblock to me because until I could do that, it was, it was, it felt slow. It felt really heavy to, to mm -hmm. do this work. Um, and then like some other roadblocks was just, I've, I, you know, I've gone through the experience that I think most coaches have, which is you have dips in income, <laughs> you know, you have some months where you're doing really well and you have some months where you're like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. are, are, are all my clients going to go away? Like, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to pay this bill? Like you have those, you have the, the valleys and the peaks and you've got to learn to ride the waves in a very different way. Like entrepreneurship is, is a beautiful journey and anyone can do it, but, but you do have to be able to withstand the waves. Like it, it took a lot of mental and emotional resilience that I hadn't been called to step into before. And so you know, being the person to like bravely show up and talk about my program when no one's signing up for it, like that was, that felt like an edge to me. I didn't know how to do that, you know, years back. And nowadays, you know, I've pushed past that roadblock, but I would definitely say like being able to talk about my work and being able to show the value and show up when I didn't know anyone was coming. Those mm -hmm. would probably be the biggest roadblocks for me. Mm. And I think a lot of people struggle with those roadblocks. There might not be talked about as much, but yeah. I think it's really learning to ride the waves because you're right. Some months are like amazing. And then other months you're like, oh crap, like yep. do I have to close my doors? <laughs> like that that's happened to me multiple times in co the coaching industry in particular. But I think it's realizing that it is the resilience mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, and knowing that there's a purpose behind what you're doing and you're passionate about it. You see it when you talk about your clients as well, but just being able to really make those shifts for people and shifting their story. Yeah. And I know part of what you do outside of just coaching, you also, not just, but like, that's a lot. <laughs> In addition to that with, I know you have a podcast too. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So Shift Your Story is all about 
um, mindset, emotional regulation and relationships. So if you are struggling in feeling good about yourself, loving yourself, of knowing how to communicate in your relationship, that's where we get into really practical tools to help you develop the mindset, the emotional intelligence and the practical relationship skills to to shift your story that you're telling yourself about yourself, about the world, about your relationships, but also to shift your story of life, you know, to shift from a life of loneliness and despair and feeling trapped to a life that feels expansive and deeply fulfilling and connected to other people. Um, so that that podcast got la launched a couple months ago. So we're, we're just coming into the middle of the year. So I'm super, super excited for anyone who wants to listen to that podcast. There's some some real juice in there. I am so excited for other people to hear it too, because I think it really goes back to understanding when we shift what the story we're telling ourselves, what we're playing into, it can move or speak volumes and move mountains of really how our relationships are playing out, what, <laughs> starting with our first, our most important relation of ourselves, but also those around us romantically in any capacity too. And I know you mentioned tools, but what are some of the tools that you've utilized in your building your business on the back end when we lift the curtain a little. Yeah. So in terms of the back end, there's what I call the inner work, which is my own mind. You know, my own mind, I'm I'm really good at coaching myself, but I'm also human. You know, there are still the thoughts that come up of, you know, is this going to work? Are you good enough? Can you do this? And I I will tell you, I've talked to many CEOs, I've worked with many CEOs in my work that have the same thoughts. And so uh, really getting on top of your mindset and managing your mind, I would say that that was the biggest tool that I had to learn in business. But in terms of back-end operations, I would say like back-end operations is really getting clear on what my systems and processes are. And so that's like, yes, onboarding clients, like keeping it organized, keeping it systematized, like having a process, but it also is for my podcast, for my social media, like having a place where everything goes in a particular order to make it easy for me. Because I think when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're a solo entrepreneur, you're wearing 10 different hats. It's really hard to keep track of where anything is at any given time. And so really learning how to be disciplined with myself and like have a system for things. And that's what helped me stay on top of everything um, and stay consistent in my posting as well. And then the key to that too is like once that system and once that process was created, when I bring on team, I can just hand it over. You know, it's like I don't have to like go through teaching them and figuring out how I even did it. I know how I did it. And I can pass it off to them and be like, here, do this or do something even better. Because if this is your zone of genius, you run with it. Like I, I'm good. <laughs> It definitely helps and being able to have everything systemized and standardized across the board. So you aren't running around like, wait, did I send this? Do I have that? Yeah. But being able to have it all organized, especially as a solopreneur, because a lot of individuals listening are solopreneurs working into maybe building a team. But when you're starting out, it's just going to make your life so much easier, putting in a little bit more work in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it flows. And that's exactly what it sounds like you did too, to make yeah. sure everything was organized. Yeah. And then the other thing that I did too, that just kind of came to my mind is I really learned how to repurpose work at the same time, yeah. because I think that as entrepreneurs, we make it way harder for ourselves. 
And when I learned, like, I can, I can write a blog post and I can split this up into social media posts and I can like do a podcast based off of this as, instead of thinking just, well, I did it on my newsletter, so I can't do it anywhere else. When I was able to shift my framework around that work got so much easier because one, not everybody's on your newsletter and not everyone's going to read it. And so like they get access to the information in other ways, but then also there are so many themes in people's work that even though it might seem, you know, obvious or repetitive to you, it's not to everybody else. And so being able to kind of step back and be like, yeah, you know, there are things that might seem obvious to me about relationships, but I've also been doing this work for years. Like this is not necessarily obvious to somebody else. And it's okay for me to repeat it a few times to give people the opportunity to hear it perhaps in a different way. That's very true. And I think you're right. So many people make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. I was that person up until a few months ago, even just like with my channel, I was posting different clips on different platforms. Someone's like, Caroline, just focus on one clip, post it everywhere at different times, and it'll be, be like less time. And I save so much time and energy by doing that and just tweaking one little thing. Is not everyone, like you said, is going to be reading the newsletter, but also seeing your post in any capacity. Or if they do, they're hearing it at a different moment as well. So it hits different too. Yeah. And then this is um, maybe a roadblock thing, but but also a behind the scenes, like processy thing. I also would say that sometimes we post something once as entrepreneurs and we think everybody's seen it, but but that's not the case. Like we live in a highly saturated digital world now where I think back in the day, someone needed to see something seven times in order to like know what it was and decide if they want to buy. I'm pretty sure I read some research lately that it's like now up in the 20s of being able to see something. And so you might feel like you're shouting into the void and you've said it a million times, but chances are your audience hasn't heard you because it just is so saturated. Now, I'm not saying that to discourage. I know that that might bring up some discouragement. I'm not saying it to discourage. I'm just saying it like, if you feel like you're saying it a million times, say it a million more, because it's not that people don't think your work is good. It's not that your work isn't good enough. It's just that maybe someone hasn't seen it yet. And they're just waiting to see that post from you that makes me go, oh my God, you can help me. Thank goodness someone can help me and like want to work with you. Exactly. No, I mean, it's so true. Just being able to realize the more we put out there, the more we can reach the right ideal clients or customers in that capacity, because you're right, we are absolutely saturated with ads and posts on a daily basis. But that's great. I didn't realize it was already up to the 20s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> research on it lately, but that's insane, because you're right, it used to be about seven touch seven to 12, or even five to yeah. 12. Now it's way more, I believe it because I see yeah. certain things. Well, and I, I thought about it the other day and it's like, it makes sense. Cause for example, like the Instagram platform with reels, it's just, you're swiping through and it's like, you have to be hooked into something in order for people to see it. So it's, it's just one of those things that as, as time evolves, so does marketing and so does business. And, and so part of it's also just learning to um, adapt to the times in some ways. No, that's very true because it is always evolving. And I'm curious, based off of your experience, when you started your journey till now, what are maybe like two or three tips that have been really beneficial that you've learned along the way? I would say surround yourself with people who want to see you succeed. Um, and so that is both people in your personal life, but I would also say professionally, 
there, there has been so much benefit in terms of me working with mentors. But in saying that, I also do want to say that I, you know, I, I worked with a lot of people in the past that I worked with because I thought they could get me a certain result. And that, and when I say certain result, it's like, I used to be really captivated by make this month much a month or, you know, do this and this will get you five clients. And I, I paid a lot of money um, mm-hmm. based off of those things. And I realized that 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 didn't necessarily work for me because really what I needed was a, someone who I connected with. So like surround yourself with people who want to see you succeed, but also surround yourself with people who you genuinely cr- like connect with. Mm-hmm. And who you feel could help you, who didn't just do it themselves and now have a process for, for you to do it, but like who you feel can help you. And then in terms of like the peer circle, it's, it's you know, not, not everyone is going to want to see you succeed because of their own stuff. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't succeed. It just means that, you know, they'll either have the opportunity to come along for the ride and go through their own journey and like get there in the end. And other people won't, but like, you've got to surround yourself with people who want the best for you um, and who want what you want. So that would be the very first thing. Um, I would also say, put on the blinders. Uh, That's, I think that's the other biggest advice that I have, because I was talking to my partner about this recently. Uh, There are days where I really wish I could go back to that beginner's mind and like not have anybody else's thoughts about business and not have anybody else's thoughts about the coaching industry or um, relationships or, you know, and just be able to, to enjoy my own process and, and my own creativity and my views on things for a little longer. Because sometimes when we're starting out in entrepreneurship, the blinders are off and we're like, well, this person can help me, but this person has this place, but this person has this method. And this person is saying, doing this thing. And what do I do? (laughs) And so I would, and and then also like comparison to other people who might be in your industry, it's Mm -hmm. like, put up the blinders. You don't need to look at their stuff. Like if it's, if it's not helping you let it go. And then the third thing is kind of off of that, which is try not to compare. And if you're following any channels that actively make you feel bad about yourself, unfollow it's not worth it yeah no those are phenomenal and I think just even starting with the first one connection being able to be around supportive people that want to see you thrive and you do really start to see that process and you kind of alluded to this it can be lonely but really finding those people that are on that journey with you but also are supportive if they're not even an entrepreneur because a lot of times people just don't know how to help or be there and be supportive but they want to see you thrive and also just the connection piece with a coach and finding the right person for you because you're right there's a lot out there that's like 10k months and it might be their only 10k month but that's what they're like focused on i just had this conversation the other day but i think it's really understanding everybody's journey is different and not everybody is for everybody and that's okay and that's why i think there's space for everybody because right. who i connect with might not be who you connect with and that's absolutely normal and I think we need to normalize that piece. Yeah. Yeah. And going off of that, like not, not to put a damper on things, but anyone can say anything on social media. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I've been behind the scenes of businesses and see people say one thing when I know the reality of the situation in the back end. And so like someone might say they have a 10K month, but what does that mean? You know, like what's their profit? 
What's their actual revenue? What's their loss? What's their overhead? Is it 10K cash, 10K sales? Like, it's just like, and, and, but we take it as, as fact. And then we make it mean all of these different things about ourselves or the energy or, or what we're capable of. And, and, just put on the blinders. <laughs> like yes. if someone has a certain kind of month and you also like their energy and you also connect with how they talk about things, then yes. But if it's just because it's, I, I would say jazzy, just because it's like sparkly, mm-hmm. anyone can say anything. Like make, trust your gut, trust your gut. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's, I think what sometimes people do fall into that trap of, oh, the shiny object. I want this. This mm-hmm. seems great. I can do this too. And I, I fell into that trap when I started as well. But I think it's just recognizing you learn from every experience, I think. And that's what I've gathered from you too. And like your journey of yeah. being able to take the information. It might've not been all rainbows and sunshine and everything, but yeah. being able to take those next steps each time and realize, okay, this happened. Now I have this new information that I can look at it with new blinders on that I don't fall into that again or can do, make a different choice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, so much there. But <laughs> Lucy, I'm so curious. What are you up to? What are your future aspirations and goals that you're working on in the next few months and year? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few different ways that people can work with me. I have my one-on-one coaching, which is a very high-touch coaching. When you work with me, we have our weekly one-on-one calls. You get access to a whole vault of programs and and practices that you can utilize at your own time and then messaging in between. So that's super high-touch. Um, I also have a 12-week group program that's going to be coming out where we're going to be diving deep into specific relationship tools, such as like how to set boundaries, how to communicate, how to build trust, how to get closure. So we're going to go week by week through some different themes. And then I have a series of just some other programs, self-study programs that people can do on their own time, um, specifically around like communication or boundaries, so little bundles that people can do as well. Those bundles are important. Communication yeah. and boundaries is something that I am very strong about. Yes. <laughs> My ideas, because everyone has a different way to go about it. Yeah, totally. And and it's one of those things, too, where I feel like with communications and boundaries in particular, again, it's not talked about. Like, nobody really talks about, like, well, how do you communicate how you feel? And, like, okay, how could you have communicated that differently? You know, just, like, all those <laughs> micro things that when you when you see it as both an art and a skill like you can really practice it and show up in a different way in your relationships yes and i think that's a key element in relationships and i'm so glad it's in your bundle and it's so necessary but lucy where can people find you get your programs your services and we're going to link everything below but if you could let us know too yeah, so my website is www.shiftyourstory.net. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube at lucy.m as in Michaela.price. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Lucy, for coming on today, sharing your beautiful energy with us, but <laughs> everything you're doing to really help individuals in their relationships and build a lasting and fulfilling relationship as well. I so appreciate your energy today. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely talking to you and I'm so grateful to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from today? And we'll see you on the next episode.